Christian Medical and Dental Associations hope you enjoy today's chapel message. I wanted to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects, which is the heart. Uh, I'm a retired heart surgeon, but uh, I find that the heart itself is so interesting, and, and it has so many facets about it that uh, I thought it would be fun to talk about. Now, it's obviously the most important organ in the, bio, in the body. You know, I don't know about you, but you may wonder what goes on in the doctor's lounge while in the hospital. It's one of those places that most of us have never been in. Well, occasionally, the subject of who has the most important job comes up. Uh, Dr. Whitman and the orthopedic surgeons would say it's obviously the bones, because without the bones, nothing else will stand up. They say, well, you got a point. The brain surgeons and the neurologists would say it's got to be the brain because it directs everything else. And that's, that's, there's some merit to that. But then all I have to say is, you know, if you don't have a functioning heart, nothing works. So I rest my case. The, the heart is definitely there. But in addition to being so important, it's also extremely interesting. Let me tell you a few things about the heart. Most people's heart weighs about a pound. Uh, and men's heart tend to be about two ounces heavier than women's hearts. So I don't know if that means we're more hard-hearted or I would say it's, we just have bigger hearts, is, is, you know, and leave it about that. As a matter of fact, your heart is about the size of your closed fists together, which may be where the Valentine's picture of a heart comes from. No one knows. No one really knows the origin of the uh, Hallmark card heart that we've gotten so used to, but it might be that. Your heart will beat 115,000 times today in one day. That is a lot. And it never stops, of course, from the time we're born until the time we die. Uh, that's 42 million times in one year. And in your lifetime, a whopping 3.3 billion times your heart beats. So amazingly consistent, amazingly reliable throughout that whole time. It also while it's beating, pumps 2,000 gallons a day, which is just incredible. You know, you think about it, you could fill a swimming pool in three or four days. Uh, I'm not sure why you would need to, but if you ever did and you used your heart, it would just take three or four days to do so. Matter of fact, your heart is very, very strong. Uh, it generates more uh, power, if you measure it in terms of wattage, than your, than your skeletal muscles do running. And the heart works by squeezing it. It doesn't, doesn't beat like this. It, it turns on itself. It twists. And that's the way it really is so functionally. And it's amazing how functionally uh, competent it is and how powerful it is uh, that way. Laughing. Laughing is good for your heart. We know that. We feel better. But actually, studies have shown that laughing uh, causes blood vessels to dilate throughout the body and in the heart and actually will increase the function of the heart by as much as 20%. So laughing is good. Keep it up. We all know that and we need to do that. Now this was something I didn't know and it was really interesting. Horses can simulate the heart rate of the person riding them. I don't know who figured that out or why 
but they did. If you have a horse or know people that do horse riding, just remember, they, are, they may be mimicking your heart rate while they're doing it. So um, there's led some speculation that maybe horses could be used to look at stress hormones in adults, uh, in people. Who knows? Maybe not. And another interesting fact, you really can die of a broken heart. There's a syndrome called Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, which was, which was first described in 1990. And it's in a situation where people go into go a severe emotional stress and they have all the signs and symptoms of a heart attack. But when they are studied and they have their heart cath or they have their echocardiogram or whatever, there's nothing wrong with the heart as far as you can tell. It's structurally okay. Carries a mortality rate of one to 3%. So it is a, a potentially deadly thing. So I, I assumed Takotsubo was the name of the Japanese doctor who described it. Now, Takotsubo means uh, octopus pot in Japanese. <laughs> Apparently that's what the heart looks like on echo when whatever an octopus pot looks like, that's, that's what it is. So uh, uh, it's not something you wanna get. Well, this leads us into the phenomenon that the heart down through the centuries has been associated with the emotions, with the inner being of a person. And, um, and we know it, emotions can really affect the heart. Well, the heart has always been associated with that. Um, it kind of makes sense if you think about it uh, in our culture today, how we have adopted that. For instance, when you get a Valentine's card, I doubt seriously any of y'all have ever had one, uh, my liver yearns for you. Or if you leave me, you're going to break my gallbladder. No, I don't think that happens. So the heart is associated with the inner being, the, emotion, the emotions of a patient. And their hopes, their dreams, their loves, their feelings, their, uh, and even their faith has been characterized as being part of their heart. You know, uh, I've had the very distinct privilege down through the years of being able to hold people's hearts, touch them, look inside them sometimes. And I've done that in several places. I've had the opportunity to do some mission work around the world. And whether I'm in Florida or North Carolina, uh, Alabama, India, China, or North Korea, all of those hearts that I've actually seen in person look remarkably similar. They're all the same sex, it's the same uh, blood vessels and nerves and uh, electrical pathways no matter where I am. And we can say the same thing to some degree about a person's inner heart. Their emotions, their desires, their wants, their, their needs are remarkably similar no matter where we are. And this has given me the opportunity down through the years to speak not only to their physical heart needs, but sometimes to their inner heart needs. What is it that they need? What, what are they facing? What, what's going on with them? Now, the Bible writers knew this, and they used this. As a matter of fact, the heart is mentioned over 970 times in the Bible. And if you include derivations of the heart, you get even more than that. You get over a thousand different references to the heart. Um, 
and we all know that and have used that. And so, uh, for our, our scripture today, if I could leave you with one, it'd be Psalm uh, 51, 1, create in me a clean heart, O God, and, re and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's the way the heart's used in the scripture at times, and we're going to use that as we go forth, because what I would like to do is ask you all to be heart surgeons with me for a while. We all are concerned for the well-being of our fellow man. It's who we are. It's what we do. We do this here. We do it in our churches. We do it in the state of Virginia or Tennessee, whichever one you're in. We do it around the world. And, um, but join me as a heart surgeon as we travel through what people really need when they're having, they need a heart adjustment. So what, why would we do that? Well, um, there's a saying in surgery that the entire world is pre-op. And that's, uh, that's true to some degree because every single person in the world could benefit from surgery someday, perhaps, maybe. Well, I would say the same thing's true of our inner heart, that the entire world is going to face something someday where they need help with their heart. And so as we do our day and go through what God has in store for us, let's, let's do it the way a heart surgeon would do it. So the first thing we do, we take a history. What's going on with that patient? Where are they in terms of their inner heart? What are they afraid of? What are they scared of? What are they worried about? What is it that has disappointed them? What is it that has caused them to question life? What is it that has perhaps caused them to search for the Lord? And so we want to try to figure out a little bit by history, by talking to them, by interacting with them, what's the condition of their heart? Secondly, we look at the physical the physical realm of this person. Now, certainly we can look at their body um, and get, gain some insight from that. As a matter of fact, I've told people before, and I'm sure every physician here would agree, that you can walk in a patient's room and like that, you know something about that patient. You can tell by just the first glance that they're calm, they're nervous, they're sweaty, they're, they're hyper, they're upset, they're crying or something, you know, so you can tell a lot instantly. But even more so, as you talk and interact with them, you gain a lot of appreciation about the physical clues of what's going on in their inner heart. But also, I would include with the physical, uh, the environment that we place these people in. What can we do physically as we begin to head towards the treatment side of this? Well, one thing, my, my old boss, uh, uh, Dr. Francis Robachek, was uh, what we always called a benevolent dictator. I think he fit the latter more than the former, but he, he did give us one piece of advice that I've always remembered. And that is every time you see a patient, if you can touch them, touch them somehow. It may just be touch the back of their hand or maybe even pat them on the shoulder. And... Um, or maybe you can sit on the bedside next to them, but somehow they actually touch you. And in the same way that a horse uh, perceives the rider on top of them, that person has a connection with you. And so I would, I would say whenever possible, do that. If that's not appropriate, and in the today's world, we have to be very careful with that sort of thing, being there in person helps so much. 
you know, so the ministry of presence is a very real thing. And so if at all possible, when you know of someone who's hurting or knows someone's help, go there, be there with them. And then we get to good surgeons will take a history, they'll take a physical, and then you have treatment. What do we have in our toolbox for this? Um, any of y'all that have ever been to surgery knows that the average operating room will have hundreds of instruments for, for, a, uh, open, uh, for any surgery. I, open heart's probably the worst. We probably have 500 instruments there uh, to, to do a heart operation. So there's many, many instruments. But what is our instruments here? There's two that I want to mention. One is, what is sharper than a two-edged scalpel? The scripture. We have at our, uh, at, 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 for us, God's scripture, which is, not only helps us, but we can use that scripture as we try to help people with their heart needs. Um, I haven't told Mike this, but Mike Chupp has inspired me to start memorizing scripture. Because I know he does that. And he is, he's just relayed that off the cusp. By the way, I tend to memorize scripture. I've played around with that idea my whole life, but I've never done it until recently. And uh, I'm now involved with a Bible study in which we actually memorize scripture every single week. And I tell you, it's been life-changing. I love it. I absolutely love it. And one of the real benefits of that is that it gives me something to talk to people about when I see them. I can... I may have portion of that scripture on the edge of my mind when we come. So I really encourage all of you all, start memorizing scripture if you don't. I haven't, and I'm, I'm the first to say my whole life, but now I am. And, and, and it's really, really helpful with that. So we have scripture, but we also have another very important tool in our, uh, in our uh, surgical table, and that is uh, prayer. Now... Karen and I were at a Bible study recently, and we heard a young man talking about that idea, and he said, you know, I was talking with one of my pastor friends the other day, and I said, oh, you know, unfortunately, all we could do was pray for him. And he stopped, and he turned around, and he said, what did you just say? All you can do is pray for him? All you can do is bring that person before the celestial throne of God in the heaven above? That's all you can do? He said, don't discount prayer. Prayer is our biggest ally in talking with folks with heart needs. And God will take that and use it for that person's benefit. So uh, let's look at, for a moment, just what are some scriptures that people might need? You know, how can we use this? For instance, maybe what they need to hear right now is something like uh, Matthew 6, 25. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Maybe they need an attitude readjustment or a priority change. Or maybe what they need uh, is they're confused and they're, they're uncertain about their future. And Proverbs 3, 5, where trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let God do the figuring out. You don't have to. Or maybe um, they need to be more protective of themselves. They're, they're, they're worried about, their, or they are finding themselves in temptation-ish, I'm not sure that's a word, uh, situations. And you can use the scripture of Proverbs uh, 4.23, which was on the back of our business cards for many years, was above all, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. 
Or perhaps what they need is a, is a come clean to God moment where they need to repent of what's going on and they need to ask God for forgiveness. And I go back to our scripture for today, which is uh, Psalm 51.10, creating me a clean heart of God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then maybe what they need is they need to hear some reassurance. They may need to hear that God's in control and that he will take care of whatever it is. And uh, a verse like Philippians 4.7 would work. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And lastly, another verse that I love and uh, oftentimes is very reassuring to folks that are grappling with the issues of life is what Jesus told us in John 14, 7. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. So the scripture can come into play as we deal with folks that need these heart adjustments. And I think it's so powerful. So the next time you have a divine appointment with someone in need, remember the whole world is our OR. Um, take a history. What condition is that person's heart in? Uh, what are their anxieties, fears, doubts, disappointments? Secondly, what's the physical environment like? Can you touch them somehow? Can you at least approach them and be in their presence to help out with that? And lastly, rely on the tools that are on the operating table, the scripture that is sharper than any scalpel around, and prayer, which brings them before the Heavenly Father, which who is the ultimate heart surgeon, isn't he? Uh, it is he that can truly heal their broken hearts. Um, the neat thing is, once we do that, he will ensure that we have a, a successful operation and mend those broken hearts that we bring to his throne. God bless you all. It's nice being here. I'll see you in the OR.